A Minnesota woman is safe after spending a rainy September night lost in the Boundary Waters Canoe Area Wilderness near the Gunflint Trail. 56-year-old Jennifer Fitzer, a resident of Golden Valley, Minnesota, became lost Thursday, September 8th from her group's campsite on Rib Lake in the BWCA. This was Jennifer's first time to the Boundary Waters. Joining us now to learn more about her experience is Jennifer Fitzer. Thanks so much for joining us. Well, thanks for having me, Joe. Absolutely. We've uh, been sharing some information on WTIP about uh, the experience that you went through being lost in the Boundary Waters. Uh, If you would, Jennifer, just walk us through a a play-by-play. Let's start on September 8th. You're at the campsite on Rib Lake, and that's uh, south of the Gunflint Trail, uh, kind of the mid uh, Loon Lake area of the Gunflint, Extortion Lake down from there in the BWCA if people are wondering exactly where that is. So it's that afternoon, and uh, just tell us what happened. Okay, so I was uh, at camp. I just finished lunch. I was there with a couple of my brothers and a nephew and a sister-in-law, and I decided I need to use the toilet. So it was probably about 500 yards from camp. So I let let my family know, and I headed down to the toilet, uh, finished my business, and decided I was going to poke around a little to see if I could find a place that we could fish from shore. One of my brothers had been hoping we could find a place to fish from shore. Uh, so I maybe was attempting to go into the woods for about 10 minutes, and it's so so thick that I decided pretty quickly that it wasn't I wasn't going to be able to even get near the lake. So I turned around to go back to the toilet and get the trail and head back up to camp. And after 10 or 15 minutes of wandering around, I was not seeing anything familiar, certainly wasn't seeing the toilet or the or the path. So I changed directions and probably walked another 10 or 15 minutes and realized at that point that I was lost. Uh, not really sure if I was left of camp or right of camp or behind camp. So uh, I, what I decided to do was pull out my compass. And at the time, I thought we were on an island. Uh, lots of conversations on our way out to the camp that we were going to camp on an island. And it turned out we didn't camp on an island. But at the time, I thought we were on an island. So my thought was, I'll pick a compass point, which happened to be 30 degrees north from where I was standing, and I'll just follow that until I reach the water. And if we're on an island, then I'll just follow around the shore until I get back to camp. So that's so I set off with that in mind, and I would stop every few minutes, check my compass, and inevitably I would not be going 30 degrees north because it's so thick out there. Uh, you know, there's, of course, down trees and water and streams and tripping over things. And um, so I would write myself, and every time I would stop, I would – I would holler. I'd yell hello long and hard and do that a couple of times and wait for a response and didn't hear anything, so just kept walking. And it was actually three and a half hours later, it was about 4.30 when I actually found the water. Um, and at the time, I'm still thinking I'm on the island, not not certain why it took me so long to get there, but um, I looked to the right and I looked to the left and I determined that I needed to go left to get back to camp. Um, so I turned left and kept, you know, bushwhacking my way through the forest. I ended up coming out on, uh, it turns out we were on a peninsula, and I walked as far as I could until there was no more land. Had I continued to go forward, I would have had to cross a body of water. I think it looked like a creek or a river or something, and I knew I didn't want to cross a body of water. Uh, And it's about 6.30 at this point. Um, So I came out to kind of the point of the peninsula, and there was a big boulder there. So I sat on that and sort of faced the bay out toward the lake that I had just come from, uh, in, in the hopes that I would see one of my family members coming around the uh, around the bend in one of the canoes that we had. 
um, which, of course, that didn't happen because it turned out I was about three and a half miles from camp. So I realized at that point it was going to get dark, 7.30, quarter to 8. Um, I probably needed to come to the, you know, come to the realization that I had to stay where I was overnight. Um, so I sort of assessed what I had with me, which was um, I had my cell phone and a, a thing of Carmex, um, and that was about it, and shorts and a T-shirt. And so I pulled up some moss and uh, sort of made myself a little bed on the rock and, you know, got dark by 8.30 probably. It was pitch dark and, and tried to sleep. Um, you know, I would hear, I was hearing fish jump and beavers flapping their tails, and but never never heard anything that I was worried about, any animals. Uh, so I, uh, I, you know, was up and down a couple times during the night, and about 4 o'clock it started to rain. And up to that point, it, I wasn't cold or anything. It was, you know, it was actually a pretty nice night out. So it started to rain about 4 so the, it started to get light about 6.30, raining this whole time. Um, and I decided while I was up during the night that I would, I probably needed to be in the water um, because at that point I figured they, somebody was probably looking for me. And up in the woods, no one's ever going to be able to see me. So I found a down tree that was dry, and I got that into the, pushed that into the lake. And uh, when I stepped into the lake, I sunk up to my hips in sort of that black mulchy slop that's at the, you know, that's in the lake. Um, and had I not been holding onto that log, I might've gone much deeper. So thankfully I was holding onto the log. Uh, I was able to extricate myself from that. I got out of the water, um, walked another probably 30 or four yards from where I'd slept and, uh, and it was pretty shallow there. So then I thought, okay, I can, I can get back in the water, had my log with me and just, um, started, started moving back in the direction that I'd come the day before, trying to stay along the shore as much as I could. Um, and you know, there's logs and slippery rocks and it's shallow and then it's deep and then the current starts and so it was a it was a lot of falling and you know almost losing the log and you know deep water shallow water banging my legs you know hitting my hips my whole body is still just a a big bruise and about probably an hour into that um, I hit a spot that was the current was pretty uh, current was pretty strong and I was I was having a really hard time moving forward so I decided I needed to get out at that point uh, I was worried I was maybe going to drown, and I certainly didn't want to have it end that way. Um, so I got out of the water and just started continuing back the way I'd come the day before. And uh, it was probably about, I would say, 10 o'clock, and I was going up and over these big big rock faces. Um, I was So I was way up in the woods because it was the only way I could keep moving forward, and I heard what I thought was a helicopter. So I kind of stopped and listened, and it faded out of sight. So I just kept moving, and then I heard it again. And then by about the third or fourth time it passed behind me, I could see it, and it was a plane, a uh, seaplane. So I, as fast as I could, made my way back down to the lake um, in case they were looking for me, because at the time I really, truly didn't think they were looking for me. Um, but uh, made my way down to the shore, found a boulder to stand on, and maybe about the 10th pass, the plane finally went in front of me. Um, and I was, you know, waving at the plane and he went off and then he was gone for like five minutes. So I was thinking maybe he wasn't actually out looking for me because where's your brain at this time? I don't really know. But anyway, he ended up coming back and landing in, you know, pretty far away from me. But the, the bay I was standing in was apparently really full of rocks. Uh, so the, he kept moving, you know, closer to me in the plane. And eventually he leaned out the door and yelled, hey, are you Jenny? And I said, well, yes, I am. And he said, are you okay? And I said, yes. And then uh, he said, well, I'm Joe. He said, I'm, I'm going to get as close as I can. Um, you know, I'm here to I'm here to, here to rescue you. So he ended up having to tie up the plane. And then 
uh, he told me to walk toward him. We eventually met in the middle, and he helped me onto the plane. And, um, you know, it had taken probably eight or nine hours of walking to get to where I was, and it took us about five minutes to get back to um, – they took us to the uh, Gunflint Lodge, and the ambulance was waiting there. And um, so we landed there, and they they evaluated me and assessed me, and, you know, I was basically okay. I was cold. But other than that, I was I was all right. And uh, that was the end of end of the day. Till my family it took about six hours for my family to get back from where they'd been. You know, they had a they had a canoe and portage back out. Um, so they ended up getting back about six o'clock Friday night, and we had a we had a very tearful reunion. Hmm. Um, and of course, we're all very grateful that I'm alive. So yeah, and this uh, was a different lake, right? Jenny, like this was not on Rib Lake where you started the day. You were on a different lake, Dawkins Lake. Dawkins Lake, yep, that's where I, that's where they picked me up was Dawkins Lake, and that's some dense forest. There's not much. There's some looking at the map, uh, some moose swamp looking areas, and some some lowlands, some wetlands, probably some cedar swamps and bogs and dense forest. Yeah. Uh, and that's what you walk through to get though. That's what that three and a half miles you went through is. Yes, it was it was unlike anything I'd ever seen. I mean, of course, there's no trails. And, you know, you think you're walking straight. You know, I thought I was going 30 degrees north, and I would check two minutes later, and I would be completely almost going in the opposite direction because you have to go over trees and around trees, and you step down, and you end up in a swampy area, you know, covered with moss, and then you trip over something and fall flat on your face, and, you know, there's branches slapping you. And, I mean, it, yeah, it was, it was a again, like nothing I've ever seen before. You know, I'd never been up to the Boundary Waters before. Um so that was, uh, you know, that was the first time for me. You know, everywhere else I've ever camped, it's always groomed trails, obviously, and and not dense forest. So, um, yeah, it was it was it was tough going, that's for sure. Hmm. And when you said that you got some moss and uh, to sleep with, was that more like for a blanket or a, a pad? Tell tell us about the moss. <laughs> uh, so I was I was sitting on the boulder, looking around, trying to decide where I was going to sleep for the night. And right behind where I was sitting, there was this. It's white moss is the best way I can describe it. I don't know if actually that's what it is, but it's sort of like short white flowers. Um, so I wanted a, a pillow at least. Um, I couldn't really make a bed, I didn't think. So I just gathered up as much of it as I could and sort of made a pillow. And then uh, when I laid down, you know, I'm 56, so my, my hips are not in the best shape. So I uh, I tucked some of it under my hip. And it actually was, a for sleeping on a rock, it was actually relatively comfortable. Um, so, yeah, that's it was. And then eventually it, when I moved off the boulder, like in the middle of the night, because uh, I rolled over and I woke up and I was like one roll from rolling off the boulder into the lake. So I determined it was probably not a good idea to stay on the boulder. So then I then I got off the boulder and was sleeping in the former moss area, which had now turned to mud because it was raining. But it was uh, it was actually not a not a horrible night. Mm-hmm. Uh, any wildlife? But you mentioned the beavers uh, slapping their tails, some fish jumping. Any you know moose or bears, wolves howling, or any even evidence of those animals around? Uh, saw a lot of bear scat and a lot of moose scat. Uh, I didn't know what either of them were until I talked to my brother, who's who's uh, pretty knowledgeable in those areas. My brother Chris. Uh, so I told him what I'd seen, and he said it was definitely moose scat and bear scat. But I never, I never heard a wolf. I never heard a coyote. I never, you know, even a raccoon or anything. Lots of birds. I saw a few eagles. But yeah, other than that, it was just fish jumping, and and I assume it was beaver slapping their tails on the water. Hmm. And well, you spoke with your brother uh, Chuck, who was on the trip as well, and he was able to get cell phone service and, and dial nine one one. And then your other brother was actually able to communicate uh, via the the new tower that's up on Gunflint Lake with 
dispatch back in Grand Marais, Cook County Sheriff's Department. So yep. they, they're the ones who alerted the authorities. Uh, any any thoughts about uh, just the search and rescue standpoint? I know that they met your brothers at the campsite or the people who were on the plane or any or all of the people who were out looking for you. Yeah, so, um, of course, I don't know any of this is going on. I, what I had thought when I was overnight on the rock is that one of my brothers was probably going to have to go out in the morning and head back the way we came to get back to the lodge because, of course, we didn't think we had any self-service. Uh, my brother Chris has been up there many times and has never, ever been able to get any service. So I kind of assumed they were going to have to go in in the morning and, and find somebody. But it turns out, um, yeah, my brother Chuck, tried his phone Thursday afternoon after I'd gone missing and dialed 911 and was connected with an operator, and then they were connected with search and rescue. Uh, and it, it sounds like they just Im- immediately send out an email and, and everything kicks into high gear. Um, so, yeah, two, I think they told me two officers showed up, uh, two, I, I assume their volunteers showed up at camp that afternoon and kind of let them know what was going to happen. And then uh, everything really kicked, you know, kicked into motion Friday morning, it sounds like there were eight total canoes out looking for me. And then Joel, the pilot, told me that he took off about 10, and he found me at 1018. So it was a pretty – once he was up in the air, it was pretty quick. Um, and I actually talked to uh, Jim Morrison this morning, the fire chief, just mm-hmm. to get a list of all the all the people that helped. Um, so he, he emailed me the list of all the all the search and rescue people. So, I you know, I, I want to give a big shout-out and thanks to all of them for what they did to – make sure that I didn't die out there. Hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, it was, you know, I didn't, I, no idea, of course, I've never gone through this before, that, you know, just it sounds like everything was well organized and, and you know, they I'm, obviously they've done this before and they know what it takes and they know how dangerous it can be. You know, by the time I was picked up, I was soaking wet and, I mean, it had been raining the entire day and I was, I didn't realize, I didn't even feel cold until Joe started talking to me and then it was like all that cold just hit me. And I was just, you know, severely, severely shaking because um, I was so cold. But, yeah, I, I'm just, I cannot express how grateful I am to all they did to save me. Hmm. Wow. And uh, just in closing then, Jennifer, any thoughts? Of, this was your first trip to the Boundary Waters, just uh, things that uh, people should keep in mind if they're they're out uh, on a canoe trip or recreating in the Boundary Waters for, for a safety standpoint or something we could take away and learn from your experience? You know, I think, again, I was just going down to the toilet and stepped out for 10 minutes and I was completely lost. So I think, you know, uh, not doing that, of course, like sticking to the trail, but also, you know, I had brought a whistle with me, but I didn't, I didn't have it with me when I went down there to the toilet. I, you know, I think just making sure you stay in contact with the people that you're with and everybody knows where everybody is all the time. Um, And, you know, and now that, now that we know there's a, a, um, T-Mobile tower up there, you know, it, it makes sense. Maybe you, whoever's got the phone that has T-Mobile, you know, that's with you all the time sort of thing. Um, and just, you know, I didn't have any water with me. I didn't have any food with me. Cause again, I didn't think I was, I thought I was just going down to the bathroom. So it, it's it just being really, really aware of, of what's around. I mean, it's a magnificent and beautiful, but it's also obviously can be very dangerous. And I think in hindsight, what I should have done is just sat down. Because, you know, once they realized I was missing, they, my brother and my nephew figured out a grid and they walked all the woods behind where we were. And had I just been sitting there, they probably would have found me. But, uh, you know, of course, I don't know that. And I think I'm going closer to camp the more I'm walking and I'm obviously walking further and further away. So my brother, Chris, the one who's been up there a million times, he just he said, you should just, you know, in the future, sit down and somebody will find you. So 
that was a, that was a good lesson to learn. Hmm. Okay, well, uh, certainly glad that uh, you're safe and, and home and, and feeling okay. Uh, we're speaking with Jennifer Fitzer. She's a Minnesota woman. She was lost, got lost in the Boundary Waters on September 8th. She was rescued by Cook County Search and Rescue, another personnel uh, from a beaver float plane on Dawkins Lake in the BWCA the next day, September 9th. Uh, Jennifer, thanks so much for sharing your story with us. You're very welcome. Thank you, Joe.